it means the world to me, honestly. I mean, I put a lot of work in, obviously, since, you know, dating back 10 years plus. So to be able to come here and see my name up there with, and the company that I'm in is just amazing. So I don't take this lightly. I don't take the, the, the love I get from these fans and, and just the, the Fresno State community. I mean, it means a lot to me. And this is the type of stuff I'm, I'm trying not to get too emotional out here because, honestly, it's a lot. But um, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. We're live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, our Monday night football spot, of course. The Broncos and Chargers will be squaring up this evening AFC West battle. But right there, you just heard Devontae Adams as he was in Fresno on Saturday. Fresno State, he was at Bulldog Stadium. I believe they still call it Bulldog Stadium. But he was there getting his jersey retired. And a guy that was there for everything is the voice of Fresno State. That's Paul Leffler, and he joins us now on the phone lines. And, Paul, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Is Bulldog Stadium still called Bulldog Stadium? <laughs> Believe it or not, no. This is the first year that they've got a, a naming rights sponsor, Valley Children's Stadium now for Valley Children's Hospital, uh, which Derek Carr is a big proponent of, yeah, by the way. But, man, what a special night to have both of those guys, Derek yeah. and Devontae, back and a special honor for a special young man. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to have you on to talk about because you were in attendance. You got to talk to him there at midfield as his jersey was being retired. What did that mean? Because Devontae looked like he was all smiles and very emotional, as you heard him say right there. But what did it mean to him to get that jersey retired from your understanding? Well, that's what I what I asked him, you know, and, and understandably so. I think he, he was a little choked up. Um, but what really struck me was thinking back to when he came to campus because, you know, he was a late bloomer from a football perspective. He's a you know, really good basketball player in high school and dominant football player, but he had to get some work done academically, and, and he hadn't impressed the Power 5 schools to the degree to get any of those offers. And a guy named Pat Hill, who does the games with him now on the radio, and his receiver coach at the time, Keith Williams, you know, they saw the potential in Devontae and gave him an opportunity. And, you know, for him to go from that kind of afterthought from a recruiting standpoint to the best receiver on the planet and to see his number go up next to Derek's and David Carr's and these other Fresno State legends, you could tell that really meant something to him. And, but it wasn't the end, and that's what I saw. This is a guy who's always been so driven, and he just keeps getting better and better and better. And to me, just reading his body language and listening to what he said, it was kind of the thing of, hey, I haven't arrived yet, but just watch what I'm going to do in the future because it's going to make you even more proud about retiring this number in Fresno. Again, we're talking with the voice of Fresno State, the Bulldogs, Paul Leffler here on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I asked Devontae when he signed with the Raiders, you know, how much has he seen himself mature as a man from Palo Alto to Fresno State to Green Bay to now here in Vegas with the Raiders? You saw him, like you said, when he hit campus. How much has he matured, in your opinion, from what you saw when he hit campus to who he was Saturday night when you talked to him? Well, to really answer that question, I'd have to get him on the basketball court and, and see what his game's like now. <laughs> you know, when he got here, he was it was pretty raw, but it was extremely explosive. I mean, the guy's throwing down 360 dunks and breaking out the East Bay Funk between the legs and all that, you know, uh, on the East Bay Funk dunk. Yeah. And, and I wonder what his game's like now. You know, is he looking more for his teammates? Is, does he have that old man's game on the basketball floor? That would be my evaluation. But, no, he is. You know, he's matured. He's a family man. You know, he, he's got a wife and a daughter, and he's there with his mom and his grandma. We've seen what he's done to give back to uh, Palo Alto High School, you know, and mm -hmm. providing gear for them. What he does with our community here in the Central Valley, and I know what he's doing in Vegas. He's, 
because of where he's come from, because of the things he had to overcome and how hard he had to work, you know, he wants to give back and help others get to where he is. And that's one thing I've always respected about him. You knew he had great God-given ability, but he worked. I mean, he worked his tail off here. When he got here, you could still see a little baby fat on that guy, right? He had some cheeks, and, and he wasn't all defined. You look at him now, he's all cut up because he just works, works, works. I mean, what do people talk about? They talk about how crisp his routes are and how nobody does it quite like him. That's just dedication. That's a desire that never stops burning. And that's why I say we haven't seen the best yet, you know, especially with a one and four record. You know, that's just eating him alive, mm-hmm. and he's driven that much more to succeed. But, you know, we've seen the best receiver in the NFL, but he's going to get even better. You know, he, uh, he came to Las Vegas. He wanted to play with his buddy Derek. Obviously, they had that great history and connection there at Fresno State. Derek was in attendance Saturday night, as you very well know. What did that mean to Devontae, especially since he didn't know Derek was going to be there? I was just waiting for a car to come rolling down the ramp, right? I mean, that hasn't happened yet, has it? I mean, has he paid up on that promise yet? No, not yet. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. <laughs> I think Derek missed his opportunity, man. I mean, they could have dropped it in with a helicopter. I mean, who knows what they could have done. But, no, I, I think Devontae probably knew in the back of his mind that Derek wouldn't miss that for the world. And credit to Derek, you guys. I mean, this guy hasn't changed. I knew him when he was a 10-year-old kid following his brother around here when David was quarterbacking. And he has always been about the same kind of stuff. And, and to see him on the field with fans. I'm watching from our broadcast booth, and that guy signed autographs and posed for pictures for an hour straight on the sideline. He's going up to the edge of the stands. People are handing him helmets and jerseys and cowboy hats, <laughs> and he's signing it all because that's how big that young man's heart is. And it's so genuine. That's both of those guys, right? There's nothing phony. There's nothing put on. When they talk about what matters to them, they really mean it. And uh, I, I know that did mean a lot to Devontae for Derek to show up. And I'll tell you what, it meant a lot to this community, too, that both of those guys were here. And, I mean, here's the other thing. They honored the 1982 Fresno State team. That team had Henry Ellard, who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, yep. and Stephon Page, who for a long time had the single-game receiving yardage record in the NFL. So And Bernard Berrien was here. Yeah. Some other Bulldogs who've gone on to the NFL at receiver, like Isaiah Burse and Rodney Wright. I mean, I, there was some serious receiving royalty in the house on Saturday night. Yeah, my friend uh, CK, who actually does uh, sports right there in Fresno at Fox Sports, he, he's a heck of a dude, he was telling me, he was like, man, the best picture I took on Saturday night was all those guys you just mentioned on the field there uh, all at the same time. He was like, if that's not Fresno State royalty, I don't know what is. So that must have been a special night for everyone involved with Fresno State. It was. And, and you know, no one was blind or ignorant of what's going on with Devontae and what the national conversation was. Right. But to see him have that kind of support and that kind of love here and know that people here see him for who he really is and they know that little incident in Kansas City had nothing to do with who he is and what his character is, I think that was important for him, too. And, and it was just great to see the community embrace him. I'll tell you what, I think it helped the team, too. I mean, the team responded and ended a four-game losing streak and broke through. And, uh, and they're looking to come to Vegas here next month, so that'll be fun, too. Yeah, Will, that's coming up mid-November. Definitely looking forward to that. Again, we're talking with Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State Bulldog, the football team. He does a fantastic job. My man, Damon's got a question for you. You mentioned how there were just more alumni there than Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, but what was the turnout like? Because I know that Fresno State, they aren't doing the best this season, but was this a bigger turnout than usual just to see Devontae Adams get his jersey retired? It really was. 
you know, and, and that was a big part of it, the fact that they announced that he was coming. They sold out that game. You know, 41,000 people were there. Wow. And I'm sure a lot of them were Raider fans who just wanted to get a glimpse of Devontae and probably <laughs> figured Derek was there. And like I said, they were so accommodating. They are, they are just real dudes. You know, they're as genuine as they come. And, and that's why I believe that the Raiders will get it turned around. I mean, I remember talking to people when Derek was in the draft. They're like, you know, is he really an NFL quarterback? Same thing with Devontae. I actually asked one of Devontae's coaches his sophomore year when the dude dominated. He had 24 receiving touchdowns that year. I mean, he was just, you could not stop him. And one of the coaches was like, no, I don't think he's ready for the NFL. I'm like, are you kidding me? And what made both of those guys so ready for the next level is their commitment, their mental approach. They are absolutely all in, and they're the kind of guys that bring out the best in their teammates. We haven't seen that yet with the Raiders, right? They're losing those close games. Yep. That's been a shift, and they're going to get to that point where they win games they probably don't deserve to win just because of that willpower and that belief that guys like Derek and Devontae engender in their teammates. You mentioned the 24 touchdowns that he caught. That's in the top five all-time receiving records, receiving touchdowns in the NCAA history. Is Devontae Adams, are he and Derek Carr, are they considered those all-time greats at Fresno State? Do you think that Fresno is going to see a player of Devontae's caliber again? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, they have a really good receiving core right now, but not, uh, you know, a mismatch like Devontae was. I mean, there was nobody that lined up against him that year that could stop him. And he still had two years of eligibility that he could have used. I mean, I can only imagine what would have happened if he came back for another year. He might have had 35 touchdowns. I mean, there were just some games where it was child's play. And and he did it all. That's what was so impressive. You know, some guys, they do it with their speed. Some guys, it's their physicality. Some guys, their hands or their routes. He did it with everything. I mean, you saw the whole repertoire. He's making one-handed catch. He's out-muscling guys, you know, in a scrum to go up and get the ball. He's breaking tackles. I remember one against New Mexico. Derek actually underthrew it. Devontae reaches back for the ball, basically steals it from the DB, knocks it up in the air over his shoulder, catches it with the other hand, and then races 89 yards for a touchdown. I mean, it was like watching a video game. You know, like everybody else was playing at a different speed, like a a college senior playing against junior hires or something. That's the kind of mismatch and dominance you saw week in, week out. That's incredible. That that I mean, that must have been fun. I've covered college teams. I've covered high school teams where they just have dominant players, and it's just sometimes you get caught up in just watching, right? I mean, you're you're calling the game, but do you ever just well, did you ever just kind of get caught up in watching what was Derek Carr to Devontae Adams that that team up? Oh man, and and when it's happening, you you don't want to take it for granted, but you almost can't help it, right? Because right. it just gets so routine. I mean, Derek threw fifty touchdown passes that year. Devontae had pretty much half of them. They even had one. They got this is a guy that I think probably has fun on trivia night. They had an offensive lineman named Austin Wentworth who ended up playing in the league a little bit, but he got to score a touchdown on a hook and ladder where Derek threw it to Devontae, who then pitched it to the left tackle, who ran it in for six. I mean, who doesn't want to say, "Hey, I got a touchdown where Derek and Devontae both touched it before I did." <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Let me ask you this, Paul, and you've been covering and been with the program long enough. What did overall, what did Derek Carr and Devontae Adams mean for the Fresno State uh, program? Well, they injected so much life, you know, because it was a, a time of transition. Pat Hill had been the coach for 15 years. He recruited both of those guys. But Derek's first year as a starter, they lost a bunch of close games. They weren't quite there yet. And, and, you know, the school fired Pat Hill and brought in another coach in Tim DeRuiter. And, and Tim was a great guy. 
Um, but Derek and Devontae were what made that team go, and a guy they had in the secondary named Philip Thomas. And what you saw was Derek almost mm-hmm. becoming a coach on the field. And I think that's where you saw, hey, he's going to be a great NFL quarterback because of what he would produce in his teammates. He has that rare ability. You've seen it in other guys. I mean, Brady does that. I think at the college level, we saw Tebow really do that, where guys just played out of their minds and the team did things they shouldn't be able to do because of that unbelievable belief that drove them. And Derek had that. I mean, that his senior year, Devontae's sophomore year, they were winning games in overtime. They did that against Rutgers. They did it against San Diego State when they had to block a kick to get to overtime. And it was almost like having Derek there made them block the kick. It was like, <laughs> don't worry, guys. We're going to pull this off. Right. And, you know, almost every week they found a way to do that. So, they, I mean, they really, I think, showed people here what this program is capable of. And there's still that dream that they can do even bigger things. And those guys are part of that dream because they come back like they did the other night. And, and they want to inspire. They want to give back to the next generation. And that's why I think they're so beloved here and, and anywhere where they're really known. If people get to know who they really are, um, you're not going to have these naysayers and these critics and, and these people questioning how good they are. Once you get to know them, you see what makes them sick and what makes them great. I'll tell you what, Derek has that, that gene, man. He has that clutch gene. I know it hasn't shooken out this year, but uh, I, I'll, I'll bet more money than not that when, uh, when the Raiders are close and, and he's got the ball last, that he's going to find a way to win games. Like I said, it hasn't happened this year, but it has so many times in the past where he's been able to pull out games at the end. Sound like he was doing that at Fresno State as well. Again, we're talking with Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State, uh, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. You mentioned Fresno State's win over San Jose State the other night. Uh, how big of a win was that, especially because us here, we just saw what San Jose State did to UNLV the other night as well. They're a good team. They are. I mean, they were playing as good a football as anybody in the conference, and they were favored on Fresno State's home field, and the Bulldogs had lost four in a row, including a, an inexplicable loss to Connecticut. So this was the line in the sand. This is one Fresno State really needed. It's a rivalry game. You know, they've been playing each other for 100 years. And it, it was, I really believe that having Derek and Devontae here and having that 1982 team where, you know, the current coach, Jeff Tedford, was the quarterback on that team. Get this, he threw for about 3,000 yards, but half of that was to Henry Ellard. Henry Ellard that year had wow. 1,500 yards on like 60 catches. Unreal. Um, but having all those guys back, I think, really inspired the team, and they said, we need to do something. It's now or never. Because they're playing out, you know, without their quarterback, who's one of the best in the country, and Jay Tainer. He got yeah. hurt against USC, hasn't played since. So this is one that they really needed, and I think they proved to themselves what they could do. So I think by, you know, by virtue of winning that game, they now are in the driver's seat in the West Division, and one of the teams that might be able to derail that is UNLV if, if Brumfield comes back healthy. But there's, there's going to be some doozies the rest of the way. But that was a really crucial victory for Fresno State. Yeah, that was a big one. It really was. Again, I just saw what San Jose State did to UNLV, and it wasn't pretty. And so uh, seeing Fresno State being able to pull off that victory, that was a big deal. Now, you mentioned UNLV. Uh, Fresno, State, Fresno State's coming here in, what, November 10th, November 11th, right around that date. Uh, what what should uh, Rebel fans, including my man Demond, who's uh, that's his alma mater, what should be he, he expect from uh, Fresno State when they come to town? Well, the big question, Demond, is whether Jake Hayner's back at quarterback or not. Because if he is, they can beat just about anybody. Uh, and if he isn't, you know, so far they've had trouble scoring. They have faced some pretty good defenses. Uh, but you know what I saw from UNLV early with Brumfield at the controls was that was an explosive offense, and that's a Friday night game, so it's going to be a short week. For Fresno State coming off a home game the week before against Hawaii. 
Um, that may be a pivotal game in the West Division race, and I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's a Veterans Day game, November 11th on a Friday night. Uh, I think that Fresno State will travel pretty well. The Raiders have a home game that Sunday, so I think a lot of fans here in the San Joaquin Valley are going to get over the Tehachapi Pass and up into Vegas and try to catch both of those games. So I, that's one that I've really been looking forward to all year, and, and Coach Arroyo has really made some strides there. And, and just like Fresno State, the Rebels are dealing with some of that injury bug adversity, and we'll see how they overcome. Fresno State, it looks like, has maybe finally turned the tide, but I'm sure the Rebels aren't done yet either. How has the program responded to Coach Tedford coming back to Fresno State? You know, I think early on it was just unbridled enthusiasm. Not just him, but the staff he assembled. I mean, you've got guys who've been there and done that at the NFL level and the Power 5 level. So there was just so much optimism going into the year. Then they lose that heartbreaker to Oregon State on the very last play of the game. And then they go to SC and the quarterback, you know, gets his ankle broken. And, you know, everybody's like, whoa, the wheels came off. What happened? But, uh, you know, Coach Tedford's been doing this a long time. He has so much credibility, and his players do trust him. They believe in him. And, you know, the fact that he and his veteran coaching staff have stayed the course with him and, and not thrown in the towel and not panicked, I think, is part of why they pulled out that win against San Jose State and why they figured it to keep marching forward. So he, if you've ever spent any time around Coach Tedford, and, and Derek could tell you this because Derek's known him since he was a kid, he's a detailed guy. Right, I mean, he sees things at a microscopic level that you or I might miss, and he's really good at helping his players understand that. So it's the details that make them go, and you know that led to a championship before, and and they're hopeful it can do that again this year. Well, Paul, great stuff as uh, as always, my man. It was good to catch up with you. Talk about Saturday night, also talk about Fresno State's victory over San Jose State. Final question for you: When the when the Bulldogs uh, make that trip to to Vegas for that UNLV game, that November 11th game, are you going to hang around as well and stay for the uh, the Raider game on Sunday? You know, I'd love to. I'm trying to remember if I have a basketball game somewhere else that I have mm. to get off to, so I may have to get back to you for that. But uh, but that will be a a fun weekend in Vegas for sure, and. You know, I know Vegas is another place that loves its veterans. They just had Honor Flight Southern Nevada just got back today, I think, from Washington, D.C., taking all these veterans. There's mm-hmm. a lot of great veterans charities in Vegas. and Being Veterans Day, November 11th, uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things to take in. So I'll stay as long as I can. There you go. Well, we'll definitely have to catch up when you come out here, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Great stuff. Congratulations on the victory the other night, and keep doing what you're doing. You're doing it at a great level. Hey, thanks so much. And if you get uh, some intel on Devontae's pickup basketball game, let me know. <laughs> you know I will. I definitely will. appreciate you, my man. <laughs> there he goes, Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State, just giving us a little inside, a little background of how it all went down Saturday night at Bulldog Stadium. And it's not called Bulldog Stadium anymore, uh, Valley's Children. But uh, I knew I knew it was Bulldog Stadium for the longest, at least while I was there as Bulldog Stadium. Now they got the naming rights, but uh, he's spot on when he says that Derek Carr gives back to Valley's children. Uh, he, he's done that forever. Ever since he's been in the league, uh, his, his children has been born there, Valley's children. Uh, they've taken real good care of his kids. And I even know Little Q at one point when he was little uh, had to go to Valley's children, and they're uh, exceptional exceptional hospital they do really good work so definitely uh, appreciate them and anytime that anyone gives back to the hospitals in the local communities it's always a good thing because man uh, you you need you need those guys on your side at all times so everything you can do is a great thing 420 is the time we're at the underground lounge inside the oyo hotel and casino coming up at 430 sheena quick she'll be talking all things panthers is there any players that are on the trade block 
that maybe the Raiders will be interested in. We'll find out at 430. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 430, we'll be talking with Sheena Quick, Panthers beat writer, 1340 AM Fox Sports. Find out if there's any players available on the Carolina Panthers side of things that you know maybe the Raiders are interested in. Maybe one Brian Burns. That's the one I got my eye on. But maybe someone else that Sheena will point out is available. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, already has been moved. He's uh, been traded to the Arizona Cardinals after his dust-up with his wide receiver coach on the sideline. And it's so funny. I reached out to Sheena this morning, and then as soon as she said, yeah, no, no doubt, I'll jump on at 4.30, it's all good. I, I swear it was like 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, boom, Robbie Anderson was uh, traded to Arizona. So I said, well, there you go. There's one subject line already gone. But we'll talk to Sheena coming up at 4.30 from the Underground Lounge here at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, our Monday night spot. And I'll tell you what. It has been an adventure since I got here. <laughs> I don't think I can describe everything that has gone on here in the Underground Lounge since I've been here. And I got here about 1.30-ish. And let's just say, people are having a very good time today. I walked in, and there may have been a guy that was uh, already feeling himself a little too much. So he was on his way out of here. Then in the middle of talking, and I think we were talking with Tashawn Reed. Matter of fact, we were talking with Tashawn Reed last hour. All of a sudden, or no, it wasn't. Right after we talked to Deshaun. Then all of a sudden, there was another guy that just came from nowhere. He came out of, from outside and came in, and he was feeling good about himself. He had no shirt on. <laughs> just, he just was kind of in his own little zone. So uh, he may have slipped and fell, but he's, he's, he's on his way. He, he's out of here, too. But, yeah, it's been an adventure. Let's just say that at the very least. It's been an adventure here in the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. You never know what's going to happen, how it's going to shake out on a Monday. You never know. I mean, people, do, do we even really know what Mondays are here in Vegas? Not really, right? I mean, it's just another day. Got a couple texts I want to get to before I talk to Sheena. Vegas Pete hit us up with a couple texts. Our best corner Hobbs is out four weeks, so trade for a corner, Q. Very possible. You know, you got to look at you got to look at the roster of, you know, in particular the Panthers and I know that they've made some good investments, but they've been uh they've been just in the past year or so and I don't think that they'd be willing to to move on from guys like that. Like they're who is the corner, the big time corner that they they drafted what last year? Um and now I forgot his name. Not Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin's a good a big time safety. I like him. Oh, J.C. Horn, that's what I'm talking about. He's only in his second year, and he's been injured quite a bit too. But uh, he's a heck of a corner. But I, I don't think that they'd be willing to move on because he's a he's a guy that they can they could build around. I think guys like C. Mac are going to be on the way out. Maybe Brian Burns. I, I think that that's probably me wishful thinking that they're you know that they'd be willing to move on from him because again he's a he's a young stud as well. But it all depends on the financials, what they, you know, how they look at it, how long they have these guys under control, if there's someone that you know, is worth it. So uh, that's a good point. You know, if they can get a guy like a J.C. Horn, that would be great. I just don't, I don't see that happening. Also, Vegas Pete said, the Raiders, despite being one or four, are only two games behind the last wild card and have a 32% chance still. Let's go on a five-game win streak and put the NFL on notice. Knock on wood if you're with me, Q. It's autumn and the wind is blowing, so let's go 
Raiders. That's Vegas Pete right there. Uh, Jason in Maryland hit us up. Back in 2015, drove up to Oakland for the Niner Raider game. Car outplayed Cap for the win. When we stopped in Fresno for gas and food with our Raider gear, the love was so thick, you can cut it with a knife. I had no idea a car was loved to that degree in Fresno and Bakersfield. And, yeah, uh, thank you for that text. Yeah, Car is the dude there in, Bakers- in Bakersfield and in Fresno. Man, I remember working at – I was at uh, FedEx at the time. And when, um, when he committed to Fresno State, committed, not when he was going out into the draft, when he committed to Fresno State, I had a buddy that worked there at, at FedEx with me. It was like, that is the guy right there, Q. He's even better than his brother. He's going to be the guy. Like, he just professed everything for Derek. And he said, man, and if the Raiders are lucky, if your Raiders, this is how he said it, your Raiders are lucky, man, they'll draft him when it's time, when he becomes uh, eligible. And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I knew his brother, and I knew, you know, what had gone on with him in the NFL. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe he'll be that guy. It's always a lot of times it's a lot of hype. People don't uh, live up to the hype that, that a lot of fans sell him for. Uh, but he ended up being a really good player at Fresno State. And, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's still the guy. Anytime he walks through the 559, man, they, they have nothing but love for him there. Uh, so thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, also got one text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, happy Monday, gentlemen. Before I get to today's topic, I have to say I'm still drinking my sorrows away after the embarrassing defeat that my San Jose State Spartans suffered at Fresno State on Saturday. My question is for our defense. Can we please not rush three and at least send a minimum of five defensive players attacking and causing havoc to opposing quarterbacks on third down and long? It seems like when we don't do that, our opponent always gets a first down. It's very frustrating. Let's correct this thing going forward. Go Raiders. Again, that's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Thank you so much for that text. Now join us on the phone lines from 1340 AM Fox Sports. She is the Panthers beat writer, Sheena Quick. And Sheena, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. It's so funny. I reached out to you, one, to talk about Robbie Anderson and the chances that he gets moved and other players on the Panthers. And as soon as uh, I think I hung up, Robbie Anderson was on his way out of town to Arizona. So one domino's already dropped. What did you see from Robbie Anderson? How long have they been basically having him on the trade block? Um, They were just announcing that uh, this week prior to – the game in um, L.A., but there were whispers and rumors during the summer and during training camp, and at the time I'd asked Scott Fitterer about Robbie Anderson and particularly Terrace Marshall Jr., because that was the other name that was floating around. Young guy, big talent, um, big body, can run routes, but we're talking about Robbie Anderson, so let me get back over there. (laughs) Um, And Fitterer said at the time, he was like, you know, they're here, and, you know, that's just where they're going to be. It wasn't a definitive, we're not shopping, but it wasn't a definitive, we are. And then in this past week, you finally heard those exact words, that they are shopping Robbie Anderson. Not taking calls. They were taking calls earlier in the season, but this past week, since Matt Rule's termination, they were actively shopping him, and the deal got done this morning. Pretty sure you saw the sideline fallout yeah. yesterday. Yep. Yesterday's game, I'm pretty sure that sped things up quite a bit. <laughs> And um, Robbie's an Arizona Cardinal now. Right. No, he sure is. And that happened fast. I mean, I remember seeing that video yesterday, saw a couple quotes on Twitter from you, and then all of a sudden, boom, now he's on his way to the desert. So uh, what other players? I've heard the rumors about Christian McCaffrey, but it would take, you know, a couple first-rounders, and I don't think the Raiders need any more running backs. But uh, what other players have you been hearing about or you think could possibly be on the on the trade block now that Rule is a, is a done deal there in Carolina? People talk about DJ Moore and bring his name up a lot. I don't think that he is um, – I don't think that they're shopping him at all. He's a pivotal piece of that offense. And like you said, it's going to take a lot to move Christian McCaffrey. Uh, first of all, it's, it's definitely a risk because he is a running back, and he has had the past two seasons shortened 
a lot, not just one or two games, shortened a lot by injury. So that's got to be weighing in the back of the mind of any team that would look to acquire him. But he is a rare talent. There really is no one like him in the NFL when he is healthy. Right. But the asterisk is when he is healthy. It's going to take a lot, and that may be the reason that you don't see Christian McCaffrey dealt. Um, and unlike Robbie, they're not actively shopping him, but they are entertaining phone calls. Talking right now with Sheena Quick, Panthers beat writer here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. This may be wishful thinking on my part, but what's the chances that a guy like Brian Burns gets out of Carolina? Nah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> not going to happen. There are certain guys on that roster that are untouchable, and I would argue that Brian Burns is one of them. Okay. No, fair enough. I, I would argue that he is as well. <laughs> I just know that he's a heck Listen, of a talent. You- like you said, it's wishful thinking. You can wish, can't you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no no doubt about it. And, you know, honestly, Sheena, I feel like Carolina has a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side. What went wrong? They have a lot of talent on the roster, period. I mean, Robbie Anderson, for what is worth, even though he struggled these last two seasons, he put up 1,000 yards with Teddy Bridgewater his first season in Carolina, um, as did D.J. Moore, as did Curtis Samuel, who's gone on to another team. He's with the Commanders now, and Mike Davis. So as much as people want to kind of look over the Teddy Bridgewater era because it was very short, it was productive in the sense of having four 1,000-yard performance. Now, the fact that you weren't able to translate that into any wins is due in part, um, large part, because defense couldn't stop a nosebleed that season. But they fixed that in the offseason. They fixed that in the draft. They're young players. They went all defense in the draft mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Those young players are coming into themselves as, as football players. Um, Derek Brown, namely. Jeremy Chin. So you got a lot of young studs on this team. You just have to be able to utilize them correctly. And even on the offensive side of the ball, I would argue that the only position that they're severely lacking is quarterback. And that's unfortunate because that's like the most important position right. <laughs> when you're on offense. And they've spent upwards of $72 million and gone through six quarterbacks in like, what, two, three seasons. Jeez. That, that's what went wrong. That's right. what's gone wrong. You saw it again Sunday against the Rams, and it's like you hear, of course, it's, it's unfortunate the circumstances under which P.J. Walker is getting his opportunity. He's always kind of coming in on cleanup duty after someone got hurt. So you started the season with Baker Mayfield as QB1, Darnold is 2, P.J. Walker is 3, and Matt Corral is 4. Of those four, only P.J. Walker is healthy. Right. And, of course, you, the, the, the coaches want to convey to the media, oh, we're, you know, we have so much confidence in P.J., but the play calls yesterday did not reflect any confidence in your quarterback at all. Right. No, and they hung almost around for a while. Was, <laughs> yeah, almost every pass was behind or at the line of scrimmage, and they could only must They only had like 200 yards of total offense. Mm. After those measly three points on the opening drive, they didn't even sniff scoring after that. It was a pick six. It was the only touchdown that the Panthers could muster yesterday. And so until they fix that, and people may argue that it's, it's not a Ben McAdoo thing and he's play, that he is playing to the strength of his personnel – but if P.J. Walker can't throw the ball and you don't trust him to throw the ball, why is he on your roster? Right. Facts. Big facts you right know, you there. Can say, you can say, oh, he's a backup, he's a backup. That's not an excuse in the National Football League. You plan for everything. You agree. Your backup has to be able to come in and back up the starter. <laughs> yeah. He has to be able to do that. If he's not capable of that in your eyes, you shouldn't have him on your roster. I agree 100%. I something that's a good excuse. <laughs> 
got to find a got to find a way to to get a, uh, to get the most out of these guys and and score points and win games against Sheena Quick as our guest here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. I was a big fan of J C Horn coming out of South Carolina. I uh, feel like his yeah. his career so far has been a lot of injuries. What have you seen from him? When he's on the field, he's a dog. But like you said the injury bug and it's such an unfortunate part of this business and of this sport because it is such a physical sport but um he does he has had some nagging injuries and that is concerning because he is a big part of that secondary and everyone was expecting him to have this huge breakout season and it's not over he right. still could have that breakout season but um saw his rookie season cut short after just what three or four games mm-hmm. three games four well three and a half because he left in the cowboys game no Texans game. So you got very limited, um, very limited snaps and tape on J.C. Horn over his first two seasons just because of those nagging injuries. But he, he's a dog. I honestly thought that if the Panthers were going to go cornerback, I thought they were going to go PS2. Oh, yeah. Um, they shocked me. They went with J.C. Horn, which, again, these guys are both dynamic players. But the biggest thing that they did in that draft when they took J.C. Horn is that they left Justin Fields. Right. Yep, no On doubt. Team that really still still had questions at the quarterback position. They traded for for Sam Darnold a couple weeks before that, but it's Sam Darnold. Right. And not to be funny or anything like that, but Justin Fields is someone that okay, if you if he has been assessed incorrectly, you'll you'll give him a little bit of room to have some growing pains and get acclimated to the speed of the pro game. But Sam Donald, you already saw his tape. Exactly. <laughs> you know who and, he and was. Decided, you know what? You knew who he was. Right. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater, they knew who he was. And Teddy wasn't necessarily a bad quarterback. He just couldn't do what the Panthers needed him to do. Again, he had 4,000-yard producers on, on the offensive side of the ball. But Teddy Bridgewater statistically was right where Teddy Bridgewater has been his entire, his entire career. He didn't have a drop-off at Carolina. It just wasn't enough to get the job done. Sometimes you have these teams where you don't have to have a dynamic quarterback. You just have to have a uh, proficient quarterback, so mm-hmm. to speak. Right. A, player, a player that can play within themselves, protect the ball, and you have playmakers that are going to get it done, and you have a defense that's going to always put you into favorable field position and, and not have you know your back against the wall down 20, 30 points, and that's what he had in Minnesota. Carolina wasn't there. And that's not on Teddy Bridgewater. Right. No, it's <laughs> not. He couldn't yeah. play defense. Right. No, no doubt. And, again, they have a lot of talent on the defensive side of things. Uh, thought that they were yeah. building something. I told you last time we talked to you, I'm a Matt Rule yeah. guy. I was disappointed to see him go, but he just never – just didn't show any improvement, right? And you've got to win in the NFL. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter how – You have good, to. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter how good of a guy you are. You've got to win Absolutely games. Not. So, uh, finally, Sheena, let me ask you this. As far as, you know, other people that could be on the way out to you, is it really just, I don't want to say lower-level guys, but just kind of lower-level guys, not really some big names that, that could be traded before the trade deadline? Um, that's possible because I, I just really don't see them moving a ton of their pivotal pieces. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, Rob, Robbie was disgruntled, so that's different. Mm-hmm. But they also kept, like, what, seven wide receivers. LaVisca Chenault has been out injured. But Shai Smith has been getting quality snaps. Um, Rashard Higgins, we haven't seen much of him. Maybe that'll change. Uh, you have Terrace Marshall Jr., haven't seen a ton of him. That could change. You have DJ Moore, who still has to be factored into that offense. So they have pieces there. It's just a matter of trusting your wide receivers, trusting your pass protection, which is the best 
that it has been in several years in Carolina, I must say, entrusting your quarterback, catering your playbook not only to your personnel, but to what the defense is giving you as well. You know, they, they had a, a successful drive on that first opening drive, and once the defense set the edge, they didn't, they didn't adjust. Right. They didn't adjust, adjust their game plan. So they, I, I just don't think you have to have a fire sale and tear up the roster. I don't think that that's necessary. I just think that you need to have competent coaching. And they've been hit with an injury bug, unfortunately. They had, what, three or four starters out on the defensive side of the ball last week and the week before. Frankie Muzu, Jeremy Chin, and J.C. Horn are big pieces to be missing in your defense. Mm -hmm. Those are guys that you're going to miss them if they're not on the field. And unfortunately, that's the hand that Steve Wilkes has been dealt. And their schedule honestly doesn't make it any easier. (laughs) Right. No, that's true. That's true. They got a heck of a schedule. Steve Wilkes, I know he's doing the best job he can as the interim head coach. Uh, and I thought Baker was going to provide a little bit of spark, but he's injured as well. What did you see from Baker before he got injured? I didn't see what I thought I was going to see. I mean, a lot of Browns fans were like, oh, see, told you, that's the Baker, that's the Baker. I wasn't willing to, to go into it with the preconceived notion. My hangups about Baker Mayfield were attitude and off-field and locker room. He seemed to come to Carolina humbled because, I mean, the stuff that happened in the offseason should have humbled him. Right. He was all but thrown out of Cleveland like Jazzy Jeff. Right. <laughs> uh, he couldn't find a team to sign him until two and a half weeks before training camp, back against the wall. But he came in, boots to the ground. He was, you know, vibing and, you know, gelling with his teammates. Everybody talked about how, how much of a leader he was. He was named a captain in his first season. And um, things are looking on the up and up for him. But then on the football field, it was a mixture of Baker and it was a mixture of Ben McAdoo. If your passes are getting batted down, is there something schematically that Ben McAdoo could have done? Is there something schematically he could have done to open up the run game or effectively run an RPO when you have a shorter quarterback? There's so many question marks, but both of those guys are too seasoned for those to to be having those issues right now. Ben McAdoo right. has been in the league how long? Long, long enough. Time. Long this time. Is Baker's fifth, yeah, this is Baker's fifth season, so I was hopeful that he could turn it around. You know, he, again, he has the playmakers. They went out and they got the protection. It just hasn't materialized. We don't know. Honestly, he has the most intriguing injury I've ever heard of. I'm not going to say ever, but in recent memory. <laughs> uh, we were told, what, Monday, early Monday, that he uh, – we were told early Monday that he had gotten a second opinion and it was confirmed that he had a high ankle sprain. He's expected to miss several weeks. When we talked to Steve Wilkes on Tuesday, he told us Baker was day-to-day. So it's like, how did you go from missing several weeks to being day-to-day? Right. And that he was going to try to throw some towards the end of the week. You know, they hadn't completely ruled him out of Sunday's game until late in the week. And then on Sunday, early Sunday afternoon before the game, you get the report that he has ligament damage and that the Panthers are not rushing him back because they're focused on the bigger picture. I don't know what that picture is, considering he's on a one-year and they're <laughs> one in five. Right. They're not resting him up for a playoff run unless something drastically changes. Right. So it's a mystery. It's, it's a Mayfield mystery right now. But Sam Darnold, I think it's possible you can get a Sam Darnold cameo as early as Sunday. Wow. 
Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. It could be the Sam Darnold time again <laughs> in Carolina. Well, Sheena, I know it's uh, interesting times there in Carolina. Weird scenarios, Mayfield mystery going on with the injuries. Uh, but thank you so much for your time. Just like I said, wanted to get some insight, see if there were some players that could be available on the way out. And it doesn't sound like there's really a firestorm going on like many uh, no, speculated so. there in Carolina. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your insight. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We appreciate you as always. Sheena Quick right there, Panthers beat writer, 1340 AM, Fox Sports, does a fantastic job. And, yeah, man, just wanted to see what kind of players could be potentially available. But, man, if you look at their roster, especially defensively, it's one of those things where I think that that team is going to be good, but they just they got to find the right pieces. I don't think Ben McAdoo, first of all, is that piece, right? I think we all know who he is. But if you look at some of the players defensively, Brian Burns, Yeder Gross Matos, uh, Marquise Haynes Sr., uh, Derek Brown. This is all defense, by the way. Uh, Bravion Roy. Uh, who else do they have? Uh, Shaq Thompson, Madre Harper. I think he's decent. He used to be uh, spend some time with the Raiders, as a matter of fact. J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, not a big fan of. But uh, Dante Jackson, they got a lot of young talent. Let's put it like that. These guys are all two, three, one year, you know, uh, maybe three or four years at the most guys in, in the league. So, uh, I don't know. There's been a lot of speculation that there could be a fire sale. If not in Carolina, then maybe maybe it's in D.C., maybe the Washington football team, the commanders, maybe they're going to uh, get rid of some of their talent. But I think potentially it would make some sense for the Raiders to pay attention and say, hey, maybe there's a guy who's available. Just like Vegas Pete said, how about a, a corner? Uh, yeah, they're not moving on from uh, J.C. Horn. Uh, that would be great if they did, but they're not doing that. Jeremy Chin is a fantastic safety, a ball hawking safety, but they're not going to move on from him either. Dante Jackson, you know, five years out of LSU, don't see them moving on from him. Uh, man, they, they, they've, they've got some dudes. They just can't put it all together. 4.46 is the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino with Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. Just have a few minutes left in today's show. We're here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Monday Night Football is always on the TVs here, and we'll definitely be here paying attention, watching the game, see how it all shakes out. The Chargers and the Broncos, AFC West battle. Chargers 3-2, and two. the Broncos are 2-3. and three. Uh, want to see how this one shakes out. Obviously, the AFC West is something that we pay attention to in a major way. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll be talking to John McClain from formerly of the Houston Chronicle. He's at gallerysports.com now in Sports Radio 610. It's very fitting. We talk to him every Tuesday about the NFL, but his specialty is the Texans, and the Texans are the next team up on the schedule. So it's going to be great. We always start to get our, our view of the next team, usually on Wednesdays, but we'll start a day early with John McClain at 2 o'clock. Not only will we talk about the Texans, but we'll talk all things NFL. And out of Houston earlier today, Jack Easterly, he's out. He was fired in uh, Houston. He was a guy that was in their front office, and he was one of the main reasons. And I remember when I was in Central Texas, I remember people talking about Jack Easterby and how he's got to get out of there and how he's such a menace to that, that team. And John will, will go into great detail tomorrow about what that means for Jack Easterby to be out in Houston. But, man... He's been a guy, I promise you, even when I was in Central Texas still, he was a guy that players did not want to even be part of the organization, including Deshaun Watson, including Dwayne Brown, including Andre Johnson. I mean, just names on top of names, on top, big names, significant names. DeAndre Hopkins, there's a reason why he's in Arizona. Easterby is a big reason why. There's a reason why, and this is just my opinion, a whole, this whole Watson stuff even came to the light. 
and I believe that had a lot to do with Easterby because he wanted out, and as soon as he said he wanted out, all of a sudden the floodgates opened with all this information. We'll talk to John tomorrow. I don't want to speculate too much on how bad of a dude he was for the Texans organization, but I could tell you he was a bad dude for the Texans organization. So we'll start to get our first look at the Houston Texans, what they bring to the table, Lovey Smith and company, and I do believe that Houston is not an easy team to, to defeat. No, they're not very good. They don't have a lot of just top-end talent. They don't. You know, un, uh, the exact opposite of the Raiders. The Raiders have a lot of top-end talent. They just can't put it together. I think Deshaun Reed put it best earlier. Maybe this is how I should refer to this team moving forward, is they have a lot of talent, a lot of individual talent. They haven't come together as a team yet. How about that? I, I think that that's a really good way of wording it. When Deshaun said that earlier, it made a lot of sense. They have the guys to get it done. They just haven't got it done, whether that's on them 100%, whether it's on the coaches 100%, whether it's a split, it doesn't really matter. They haven't found a way to get it done. Do they have the talent? Sure, but they haven't put it together. I, I, again, I think when Deshaun said that earlier in the show, it made a whole lot of sense. So uh, the Texans are the absolute opposite of the Raiders. They just don't have a whole lot of talent. Damian Pierce, their stud running back, rookie running back, is phenomenal. I'll tell you right now, one of the biggest keys to the game on Sunday is going to be stopping the run. I don't care what the Raiders have to do. They're going to have to make sure that they stop the run. If anything, make, uh, you know, make, make uh, uh, Davis Mills beat you. And I, I don't think that he's going to. But make, make him beat you. That's what you have to do. You cannot let Damian Pierce go off. Because if you, if you don't shore up that run defense, then they, he'll do exactly that. He'll beat you. That'll be one of the big keys. So we'll talk to... John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. We'll also talk to Lincoln Kennedy, our normal Tuesday guest, coming up at, uh, at 4 o'clock. We'll have the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner. We'll talk to him at 4.30. Uh, we'll have a loaded show, as always, and uh, we'll start to get back to talking to some of the, the coaches and get back to some player availability. We already got the email over from the Raiders that uh, we'll talk to um, – Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, and Mick Lombardi, offensive coordinator, tomorrow. So make sure to be on hand for that. I think we have a lot of questions to ask Patrick Graham. People have been asking, when are you guys going to talk to Patrick Graham? As soon as he's made available. Normally on Tuesdays, I'm not available to go to availability because I have meetings on Tuesdays at, the, at that normal time. But that meeting's been canceled this week for other reasons. So I will be on hand tomorrow to talk to Patrick Graham, and we'll start to ask some of those questions to him. You know, hey, how do you get this – defense shore it up and get it where it needs to be where they could be consistently good for four quarters they got to find a way to do that the offense is ranked too high even though they're not consistent in the red zone they're ranked too high and the defense is ranked too low you know they, they've got to be able to come together and you know the defense has got to get closer to where the offense is you know at least try to meet in the middle so they can could start to win some games they got to start winning some games now starting on Sunday against the Houston Texans. So we have a lot to get to on tomorrow's show. Definitely appreciate everyone who's been a part of today's show. We'll have plenty to get to throughout the course of the week. Excited about what we have coming up for you. And, of course, excited about the opportunity to be back at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday for the Raiders and Texans. Come on out to the OYO, the Underground Lounge, is where we're at for Monday Night Football. Got the Broncos and the Chargers here on Raider Nation Radio 920.